Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. the devil left him and behold angels came and ministered to him Matthew chapter 4 verse 11 of course this is the final verse of the temptation in the desert after Jesus has fasted for 40 days along comes the devil to tempt him I don't know about you but this brings home in no small way just how bold Satan is an angel himself he knows the omnipotence of God and yet he tries to get him to sin Where does that leave me, a mortal, in the hands of the Prince of Darkness? The heartening part of this story is that Jesus doesn't succumb to temptation, and I'm reassured that I too can resist its lure as long as I have Jesus in my heart, as my children used to claim they had. The problem with me and temptation is I think I can handle it on my own. And I probably can in small things like not eating meat on Fridays. And I tell myself by practicing resistance, I can build spiritual strength. Only the devil is much wilier than that. He knows where my Achilles heel is. And it may be as simple as the love I have for my children. There's nothing wrong with that except I need to remember to love the Lord my God above all things. Satan doesn't play fair. And just when I think I'm doing ever so well, he pounces with feelings of worry, frustration, stress and disappointment before I even know it. Honestly, when it comes to this adversary, no chink in the armor will be left unassaulted. I have to be diligent in my fierce battle against the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls, the ending of a magnificent prayer to St. Michael. All sorts of apparently harmless things can lead to our eventual fall. Be vigilant and don't try to go it alone. We need divine help and God will continue to draw us to him because he wants us to be happy and rest in his peace. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For many, it's school. For me, it's my fulfillment as a wife and mother. I crafted a lifestyle that will leave me knowing without a doubt that I gave my all. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers who not only place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy, but they've also found they don't have to venture far from the kitchen table in order to find wholeness within themselves. Going against what everyone expects us to do in order to unleash the fountain happiness takes courage. You have to work at your own heart issues to find out how you can pursue your passions and live your dreams. God has equipped you with everything you need to live your life fully. It's all inside. So listen up while I spout on about how I've jumped in and out of my box, gaining insights and delights along the way that I'm happy to share with you. I enjoy the diversity of the culture we call homeschooling, an umbrella term embracing the learning that takes place outside the traditional education arena and inside all of us. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes frustrating. But for me, it always starts and ends with God, the beauty of his creation 
a smiling face, the rising moon, a rousing piece of music, or a simple hug. After the first break, I'll be chatting to Kim de Blakehall, who was with me last year talking about new laws that affected Americans hoping to adopt children from Russia. If you remember, Kim holds a remarkable story in her heart that she's going to be sharing with us a little bit later on. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of PG tips to fortify this time together and a chocolate biscuit to tickle your taste buds and thank you for staying. But I understand you're on that side and I'm over here broadcasting today from Richardson in my BFF's home where she's basking in the sun on a beach in Florida. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies where we're enjoying spring break, doing auto repairs, considering the loneliness social media can cause and looking forward to yet another major change in our lives. Are you ready? We're at the end of week one of Lent. There are stations that cross each Friday at both the churches we attend here in Dallas and in Lindale, and we're planning on going this evening. My children have all decided that they're going to give up something to do with digitalization or social media. And as a forever homeschooler, I began to see the dangers associated with isolating ourselves from the real world, hiding behind our screens, large or small, in the quest for effective communication without the warm-blooded human touch factor way before they did. At last, they may be coming to their senses. I think my children are feeling the frustrations and pseudoism of virtual relationships and are seriously considering not being sucked in anymore by the ambiguous nature of coded, typed message conversations where so many verbal and physical cues are going unheard or unseen, rendering the exchange frustrating and causing unnecessary arguments because of careless wording. I believe what's happening to our growing children today in the area called socialization to be far, far worse than anything we homeschoolers are doing by keeping our children with us, depriving them of the company of hundreds of peers. There is public concern over whether homeschool children are socialized or not, but with the growing appeal of handheld communication devices allowing us to glide through life without ever making human contact with anyone, I wonder if we should be asking if those addicted to texting, Facebook and other social media are socialized. Consider this for a moment. I love social media for what it can achieve for me. More readers, more listeners and instant information on just about anything I want to know. Gone are the days when I'd have to traipse off to the library, dig around in microfiche archives and scan newspapers and magazines for leads on stories I'd heard in passing while flipping through channels on my car radio. Google is a faithful and encyclopedic colleague. I type in an idea, a sentence, a phrase, and up pops exactly what I'm looking for without wasting a minute. The other day, I didn't have addresses to send my observation of the year's mind of a dear friend. I used Facebook instead. I was able to reach out across America to my friend's family and share how I was feeling that day after living in the world without their brother for a year. It worked. My message was received and appreciated thanks to Facebook. Hmm, did I just say that? 
Social media can keep us together. The internet can help us in our work and digital storage capacities can save us space. My father, happy birthday, daddy, would have loved to have all his records stored on a dongle. Similar to a USB for my American friends. Dongle sounds like so much more fun, don't you think? He could have slipped his whole music library into the inside pocket of his jacket. How cool is that? My personal experience, backed up now by research, has revealed, revealed this explosion of device attachment syndrome, as I call it, to be a possible health threat. I read in a magazine that not breathing, breathing the same air as your BFF could cause loneliness, which may alter your genetic activity and lower your immunity. Watch out for head colds. I kid you not. Maybe I wasn't sociable enough this week. I'm sure you know depression happens when TLC is in scarce supply. I'm telling you, have you reached out and stroked your screen recently? More weirdly, has it leaned forward and kissed you? Ever? I'm the first to admit it is way easier to text a message, send a picture with a clever caption, Facebook a request, email a link or tweet an idea than pick up the phone or drop in for a cuppa. Communication may be simpler, but admit it. Have you ever felt just the teeniest bit disconnected? If you smile and say hello to those you meet in hallways, along pathways, in line at the grocery store, at your favorite coffee shop, and I'm not only talking about the barista, what about your fellow caffeine lovers? You may find you feel better. According to John T. Cacioppo, PhD, co-author of Loneliness, Human Nature and the Need for Social Connection, reclusing ourselves behind our computers is bad for us. Really, how can anyone be lonely with 644 Facebook friends? That's Dort's count. These friends aren't the same as in the old meaning of the word, are they? Not really. Is someone who follows your blog, likes your page or comments on your wall a true friend? Can you hug her, share a meal or enjoy a movie with them? Crunchy popcorn and all. Back in the day, our ancestors not only relied on social groups for companionship, but they also depended on them for survival. When we feel left out today, and who doesn't when reading on Facebook about all the fun everyone else is having without you, our body may trigger a threat to survival. Amazing. What? In the last two decades, the number of close friends we felt comfortable sharing important matters with have dropped from three people to one. That's one close friend. Plenty of acquaintances. Goodness, is that even a word these days? My children call the most casual of contacts friends. Anyway, plenty of acquaintances, but only one friend. Research shows this could be because no one picks up the phone anymore to talk. And who pops over for the evening to have a cozy little chat either when texting will do? And even if we do go out now and again, here comes the device just in case. Ever heard of threes a crowd? The screen, the handheld, the overwhelming allure of the Internet may provide an illusion of interaction, but it is a poor substitute for the real thing and can cause you to lose your mind. Added to this, Americans today live away from family. I often remark to no one in particular that it would be cheaper if the whole family moved in together. There are parts of the world where this concept is nailed. Imagine one mortgage, six contributing adults. Instead, we strive to live independently, separated from our extended family to prove our maturity 
security and financial success. With this self-imposed isolation, is it a wonder when we do find ourselves surrounded by others, that's called being in public, we find excuses to keep our distance. Self-checkouts at grocery stores and online banking are just two ways that take us out of the loop of interaction. And if those aren't immediately available, we pretend to be on our phones. We can avoid communication with whole swathes of people in ways we couldn't have imagined a few generations ago. The heart of the matter is the need to be acknowledged. Something in our psyche hasn't caught up with the 21st century in its digital wall of protection. Making eye contact is a bold statement that says, I see you, I'm interested in you, we are connecting. Reaching out, smiling, saying hello may have its health benefits. Go on, catch the other person's eye. Real, up-close and personal friends may be the key to longevity. Over a given period of time, people with strong ties to family, friends or co-workers have a 50% greater chance of outliving those with fewer touchy-feely connections. Perhaps it's time to make spending time with people a priority. Reach out and touch someone. You'll feel so much better. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Hey, kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on TogiNet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, 
I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest this week, Kim de Blakehall, who came on my show last year to talk about her heart-wrenching experience while adopting her son from Ukraine. Her first book, written with Ginger Kolbaba, chronicles Kim and her husband's adoption journey and is titled Until We All Come Home, A Harrowing Journey, A Mother's Courage, A Race to Freedom, published by Faith Words on November, in November 2012. Kim writes the Nourished Hearts blog to encourage others to love courageously, especially those who are adopting or have adopted, provide foster care or work in orphan care ministry internationally. She started this ministry to help others deal with the specific issues caregivers face when caring for children who come from hard beginnings. It takes a great deal of both love and courage. Kim, welcome back to my show this afternoon. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Well, Kim, um, just give us a little bit um, of an update on your year. Remind us how old your children are now and how they're doing at school. Certainly. Uh, J.C., our older biological daughter mm-hmm. is 13 now, and mm-hmm. she has just entered junior high. Mm-hmm. So we are first-time junior high parents and everything that comes along with that. Yes. But I'm happy to say it's been a very positive change for J.C. Uh, probably junior high last year would have made sixth grade a lot better, I think. Oh, she was ready okay. for that change. Uh-huh. And our little Jake is in first grade. Mm-hmm. So this is his first time here in Michigan being all day, every day. Okay. And it was a little rough in the beginning, but mm-hmm. he's uh, doing very well. And Thank you. Yes, and, and his Eng- I can't remember whether he spoke any English at all when you first brought him to America. No, no, he spoke almost fluent Russian because he's from um, the southern part of Ukraine, mm-hmm. and uh, which is Russian-speaking, but he did have mm-hmm. some Ukrainian-speaking caregivers also, so he spoke a little Ukrainian, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he picked up English very quickly. Well, good, good enough to be able to go to school and do all right. Oh yes, he was he was almost fluent by the time he came home with us at the end okay. of that year of living in Ukraine. Uh huh. Uh huh. They pick up extremely quickly at that age, you know, three, yes. four years old. Yeah, yeah, they do. And have you kept his? I mean, does he still speak Russian? They've asked us not to reintroduce anything like that yet. They okay. want to make sure that his command of the Eng- English language is complete first. Mm-hmm. So they're they're having us wait till he's about in fifth grade, I believe it was recommended to us. Mm-hmm. And when he does study it again, we've decided that he's going to study Ukrainian and not Russian. Okay. Okay. Now, is there a big difference? Is it the same alphabet? Um, no. It's, I believe, you know, I'm not really for sure about the alphabet to be. Okay open about that, but I think he is, um, that I wouldn't be surprised if it was different because to me, the two languages sound so different. They do sound different to you? Yeah, yeah. they do. The uh, Ukrainian is much softer and more of a romance language. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see whether or not, um, it's familiar. I learned, I, I was born in Germany, so I, I grew up fluent in both German and English until I was six. And then when my parents brought us back to England, lost my German because they did not keep it up with us. Mm-hmm. But whenever I hear German, it just does something to me. You know, it's, it's so familiar, even though I, don't, I no longer speak it, I still find that it's, it's a, a familiar language in my subconscious somewhere. I think Jake feels the same way, but because there are still Russian-speaking people in our life, of course, and I'm still 
in contact with everyone mm-hmm. who was in the book, mm-hmm. almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And the um, and when they speak Russian to him, you know, he picks up a word here or there every once mm-hmm. in a while, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't understand it as far as like a sentence or anything. He wouldn't no. really get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we um, going. You you said something about you're still in touch with most of the people in your book, and in your book, um, until we come home, you re- you featured an orphan um, called Svetlana who was fighting tuberculosis. And I know that you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing um, with Svetlana and your your fundraising, and tell us a little bit about how her life is being impacted against the Ukrainian crisis backdrop at the moment. Well, just before the book went to publication, before you know it had to be finalized, is when we really found out that she had been diagnosed with tuberculosis. So it mm-hmm. just made the book, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, she's been fighting it in the years since then. The uh, It's become quite tragic at this point, right when she needs the most care and mm-hmm. the healthiest food and mm-hmm. everything that we can possibly throw at this uh, life-sucking disease, really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is when the Ukrainian crisis started. Mm-hmm. And since November, you know, we don't usually find out about these things till much later on. But because I have kind of a front row view of the Ukrainian crisis and everything that's going on there right now through my friends and Svetlana, the the social systems are being greatly affected in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, Her hospital personnel have not been paid since November of last year. Mm-hmm. And so doctors and nurses are starting not to show up anymore mm-hmm. because they, they've had to go out and find other ways of feeding their own families. Mm-hmm. And um, even even the food. Um, I, she, she sent me a, a, a picture, I believe it was via Facebook, of what her breakfast and lunch was going to consist of for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And on her bed were Ziploc sandwich bags filled with soda crackers. No. And they told her to make them last, mm. that they would still try to get her hot soup for dinner. Mm. And I'm, I, 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 was, I just remember being so shocked over all this because, you know, they need extra calories. Mm-hmm. They need, you know, the, really the raw food. They need full nutrition to battle this, and that's not even life-sustaining. I mean, mm. it's just, it was so tragic for me to, to see all this. So um, we have decided to get involved with... Um, a crowdsourcing campaign, really. My husband and I, we were just at our wit's end. We didn't know what to do anymore. We've been doing our very best and striving to help this young woman every month for the mm. last almost three years now. Mm. And it, her needs have 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 just skyrocketed kind of beyond our means at this point. Mm. And a young person in my life said, well, you should try crowdsourcing. Everybody's doing it. And I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, well, I'm over 50 now. And yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how comfortable I felt with it. Yeah, and um, uh, we decided to uh, to give it a try. So we've labeled the campaign "Help Svetlana" mm-hmm. because so many people know her by that name in the book, and mm-hmm. um, we have just been we've been blessed by the outpouring of messages, the contributions that are coming in, and thank you for allowing us to kind of highlight that on today's show. Mm. Now I, I have a question: How old is Svetlana? She is now twenty-one. She just turned twenty-one in December. 
Uh-huh. And um, she's her in a, right she... lung needs to be removed. Okay. But we can't get the left lung healthy enough to take over <sighs> in order for that to happen. Because the right lung is no longer functioning and it's so cavity riddled that it's really an open source of um, potential infection. So we yeah. need to have that out. And so where is she, what was she, how were you connected with her when you were going through your adoption process with Jake? She is the older half-sister. Her and, and Jacob share the same mother. Okay, okay. But she um, did not wish to be adopted. Mm-hmm. And in her defense, I understand because she had just graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was looking forward to going to college. She was looking forward to being on her own. She had an apartment and a roommate already. I mean, everything was already into play. Mm-hmm. And then this American family comes over and says, hey, we'd like to offer you a chance to come to the United States. And she's mm-hmm. like, She's like, no, no, you know, I think I've got things figured out here. I don't even speak English. Uh, Mm -hmm. And she refused our adoption. Mm -hmm. And and just tragically, it happened to be, you know, two years later, find out about the tuberculosis. Yeah. So So is she now? The entire time we lived there. Is she in a, is she in a hospital now? Yes, she is. She's in a hospital in Odessa, Ukraine. I believe yeah. it's tuberculosis hospital number one. They have more than one. Okay. And um, she's afraid. I'm sure. She, she's very scared. Yeah. Oh, that's such a shame. Um, so you said that there's obviously nobody, not, now they're not being paid, the personnel at the hospital, and she's not getting enough food. And how? what, you say you, you and your husband have been helping for the last three years. How... I, I was talking with my husband, this red tape, this bureaucracy, how difficult is it for you to get anything? Do you, do you send supplies? Does it get, do they get there? How do you do this? It, it For us, it has been mainly um, providing the funding. We do okay. it through Western Union, so it can only be picked up by her. Or we had a social worker that was working with her until the recent uh, Euro Maiden activity started. Um, and, and she still occasionally steps in and helps us. You know, you have to get very personal. You have to get very direct with your care. It's nothing that can go through any kind of legitimate bureaucracy in, in, in the country, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 So, so we, we just what we're funding her directly. But it's come to the point now that she, she desperately needs to be moved out of state care. Yes. They have exhausted everything they can do for her, and we need to move her into a private clinic, which yeah. is, you know, a huge expense. Yes. And she's going to have to be there for two years. Yes. To, to even uh, have a chance at really fighting this. Yeah. And and I'm, I would imagine that, how, how do you, do you communicate through Facebook? Can you talk to her at all through Skype or phone? Yes. Yeah, yes. we do. Um, she speaks very little English. And my Russian, as good as it may have been at one point, you know, just isn't so good anymore. Yeah. But yeah. We, we make it work through Google Translate. Sometimes yeah. I have another Ukrainian friend who comes on who speaks both English and Russian. Yeah. And that helps a lot. But she just even likes seeing Jake. And Jake has, um, you know, he'll take the laptop and he'll take it up to his room and show her his room. And, yeah. And yeah. then he wanted her to see him riding his bike, you know, when he learned yeah. to ride a bike. And I mean, yeah. it's just kind of, It's just so sweet. Yeah. Well, Kim, we're going to have to go on a short break, um, and we'll be back um, in just a moment. I'm talking to Kim Blakehall, and we're talking about Svetlana, um, 
Jake, their adopted son from Ukraine's half-sister, who is in um, Ukraine at the moment with tuberculosis, and they're trying their hardest to help her. So we'll be talking more about that after these few messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself? Without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Um, Kim, tell us where you're doing your crowdfunding campaign. We, are, we can be found over on Indiegogo.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the name of the campaign is Help Svetlana, S V E T L A N A. And I'll I'll get that linked on on both of my websites as well. And how, when does the campaign end? We decided to have it end on Easter. Okay. Because we are praying for a miracle at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's April 20, is it the 21st? 
20th, I think. 20th, April 20th. Okay. Okay. Well, I encourage all of um, my listeners to go over there to Indiegogo and check out um, Help Svetlana. And um, hopefully somebody somewhere, I know my husband came in and said, Surely we can get in touch with some um, rich Texan who can, who can, uh, you know, fund her coming to America and getting treatment here in America. So, you know, miracles can happen. So I know we'll do our best to get the word out there and, and, and get something um, moving for you. That's a, a very sad story and very frustrating, I would imagine, because I know what it was like just dealing with my parents' caregivers in England and I had none of the, you know, the war going on or, or the, the, you know, sort of adversarial ideas and, and feelings between the two countries going on. So I, I know I know how difficult that is and, you know, praying for you. So, Kim, um, let's talk a little bit about when you came back from Russia with your son, Ukraine. Well, Ukraine is Ukraine in Russia. It's a separate country. They they were together under the USSR. Okay. Yes, they they were separate countries. Ukraine actually means the borderlands. Okay. And Ukraine definitely kind of plays that role. Yes. You know, the, the, the western part of Ukraine, north and western part of Ukraine is definitely more has a more European feel to me. Mm-hmm. When I was over in the West Ukraine, it almost felt like being part of the Alps or the Alpine community, mm-hmm. a very mountainous people with, with the traditional garb and, and handicrafts, and it just felt almost like a different country. And then when you go far east in D- to Donetsk, where we were also, uh, it's right up almost against the Russian border, and it's very Russian in its mm-hmm. feel, in its language, in its people and ethnic groups. So... Um, it is definitely a borderline country. Yeah. So you were there for um, a long time. And when you, when you came back with your son, both of you, well, you were exhausted in one way. He was a very um, clingy child, obviously, because he was frightened that he would perhaps lose the only person that he could attach himself to. Describe that, the, that first year, first two years until he became more comfortable and knew that you weren't going to be going anywhere and that he was safe and secure and loved. It was probably, well, there's no doubt about it. It was the uh, most challenging two years of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, when I wasn't, when we came home from Ukraine, a whole new set of issues developed mm-hmm. because now we were in a place totally unfamiliar to him. You know, he had finally gotten used to being out of the orphanage and with me and had attached to me and then opened up his heart to, to J.C., his new sister. Uh-huh. But then he lived in a house that had no familiar smells. There were no familiar language things anywhere. Um, and there was a man in the house. Uh-huh. And it, in the orphanage, there were very few, if ever, any men. Uh-huh. It was almost entirely women. Mm-hmm. And even just the sound of my husband's deep voice startled him coming yeah. into a room. Huh. So, so there was just every there was grass here at our house. Uh, in, in Ukraine, it was, he hadn't really experienced grass before, mm-hmm. so he was afraid to even touch it. Um, we have a small dog in the house, like a little eight-pound dog, but dogs in Ukraine were were wild and were not friendly. Yeah. And so there was just a lot for him to deal with, which made a lot for us to deal with. And then there was my whole being gone for a year. Yeah. Having gone through 
everything that I had gone through and yet being unable to talk about it. Yeah. There was like the first month I came home, and the people find this funny now because I'm such a talkative person. Mm-hmm. I couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. People would ask me these long, involved questions, and I could maybe get a, a word or two out. I was just so traumatized when I came back. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't long before people were like just expecting me to be able to j- jump back into where mm-hmm. I was. Well, you're home now. Mm-hmm. As though negating the last year of everything that had happened. And I finally had to come to a place within myself and say, you know what? I know you want me to be the old Kim. I know maybe you even at some point need me to be that. But I'm never going to be that again. Yes. And I think once I came to that point, then I could help explain that to other people and try to help them understand that. Mm-hmm. Until then, we had a huge communication problem. <laughs> In your house, yes. In On, on different levels. Yeah. Well, yeah. because your, your son was not... Well, you said he was almost fluent in English by the time he got back to America, but... Yeah, he had... He, he was really good with nouns and verbs, but they don't have all the little words in Russian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I said, hey, I'm going to go over to the hospital... In Russian, they would just say, I go hospital. Yeah. So all the little words were thrown him off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that took a longer time. Mm-hmm. But, the um, yeah, he was still the clingy. Our, our, our daughter had, had experienced trauma while living those last few months in Ukraine with us. Yes. So she needed care uh-huh. from, you know, overcoming her trauma as well. Mm-hmm. And we were fighting so hard, or at least, you know, I was really pushing up there getting the kids help first that I prolonged my getting help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, you know, I probably would have done that at the same time now. Now that you know better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of times, though, we do tend to do what other people expect of us. And it takes a lot of courage, I think, to stand back and say, this is what I need to do for myself, because you really are the only one who can make any changes in in what you're going to do and in how you think and you you know you are the only one who really really knows what you what you want and it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say I need the time I know what I need and you spent a lot of time with God you spent a lot of time in prayer and mm-hmm. with the word and you blog about compassion fatigue let's talk about that um what exactly that means because I think a lot of a lot of mums go through that, and as well as who you directly minister to, who are the caregivers um, of children who have had difficult beginnings. Yes, um, really a caregiver, like you said, at any stage. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times when one party or the other has come from a traumatic background, or when there's even simply the constantness the regular basis of performing caregiver work, there's a stress that results from that. And over time, symptoms start emerging in, in, in a regular way that disrupt life. Mm-hmm. They kind of depress your enjoyment of mm-hmm. life. And, and the caregiver can become so irritated and not even understand why. And I, I believe that those are the biggest 
indicators of what has been called now compassion fatigue, especially over the last decade. Mm -hmm. That's becoming a lot more, people are becoming a lot more aware of it. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that um, I was bottling things up more than I ever had before. And then the cork would blow and Mm -hmm. I'd blow. And that wasn't typical for me. Um, I also found myself um, a a lot more um, compulsive type of behaviors, like um, in in my case it was overeating, Mm -hmm. that um, I had always been able to control somewhat in the past. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a lot of flashbacks to traumatic events if if you came from a background, the caregiver themselves came from a background of trauma. And um, I started noticing... uh, Difficulty concentrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost like an almost like um, ADD type of symptoms mm-hmm. that I had never had before. That mm-hmm. just kind of materialized out of nowhere, and I always felt preoccupied. I was always thinking about whatever current problem had the forethought in my brain, and I wasn't really there in any life events. So. That's what it looked like, I think, for me when I started recognizing, hey, there's something going on here. And so that's why I talk about it on our blog over at Nourished Hearts is because I have personally had an experience with it. Mm. And that's what it looked like for me. And somebody who's close to you could probably see these symptoms before you really are even aware that they're going on, you know, and, but that doesn't help sometimes, you know, when somebody else is saying to you, gosh, you know, you, you seem to lose your temper really fast these days, or goodness me, you know, you don't seem to be, you seem to be preoccupied. I don't seem to be able to get your focus anymore, you know, and uh, how, how did you deal with that? You talk about, um, prayer so how did you where did you go for that I'm sure you went to a support group but where where did you go what did you do well I spent a lot of time in the Bible first Mm -hmm. of all I found myself searching I wanted to search for answers Mm -hmm. and I wanted to look there first because faith can be such it's reading the Bible and prayer can be such a time of meditation Mm -hmm. and it turns out that meditation is one of a really good way of dealing with compassion fatigue Yes. So I had really kind of struck something there. Mm-hmm. The um, And what I found in my search of the scriptures was how important love is to our faith. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, Christ went so far as to say, this is the greatest command. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt I had lost. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had lost that emotion, that compassion. Because it, it had been so fatigued, I had become so overwhelmed mm. with the outpouring and the and feeling that the pouring into me was somehow being blocked. Mm. And so I, I found that I had to, well, kind of to coin a Disney song now, I had to learn how to let it go. Yes. Well, Kim, we have to go just for a few moments. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about where we can find you and a little bit more about your prayer life. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. And there's no stopping us. Join host Kaylin Amadio for 
Act Local. Marketing for small business. Halen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kalen will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Active Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, Kim, we're talking about compassion fatigue, which can affect all caregivers, particularly those who perhaps have had traumatic um, backgrounds themselves or are caring for people that have had difficult beginnings, young children. Um, and you said that your prayer life your prayer and, and meditation um, that you went towards naturally have been shown to be ways of coping. And I know in, in my particular um, faith walk, contemplative prayer going inside is something that um, I do, which is like a form of meditation, but any form of meditation is, is really good for calming you down. So let's talk a little bit about that. What does your prayer life look like? My prayer life um, is structured this way. In the in the morning is when I spend my devotional time Mm -hmm. and then time with a prayer list. I actually Mm -hmm. physically keep a prayer list. Mm -hmm. And it is typically focused on others. But I have learned that at the end of that list to make sure that I'm listing things for me personally Mm -hmm. because I know God isn't done with me yet. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, it's time in the Word, and then it's time in a very structured type of prayer time. Mm-hmm. But what really helped me the most were the short prayers that I added in any time and during the day. Mm-hmm. Even when walking the dog, if, if anyone happens to see me out physically here in Michigan, and you look like I'm talking to myself, just know I'm praying out loud, because that's mm-hmm. when I do it, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, whenever I can catch time, mm-hmm. is uh, our short prayer times 
mm-hmm. with with God throughout the day for something mm-hmm. specific. And it's just about that one thing or about that uh, one request that has been brought to mind just through my empty thought time. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, of course, I have prayer time and devotional time again at night. Um, many of us who have suffered from either post-traumatic stress or from compassion fatigue, we know how hard it can be to sleep at night. And mm-hmm. prayer time is, is a perfect calming method um, mm-hmm. before trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is interesting what you were saying about during the day, your short prayers. And some of the retreats I go on, one particular retreat leader, um, she said that while she's waiting at the microwave, to heat something you know she calls those like uh, bite times and she'll pray or walking through a door every time she walks through a door she says a, a really short prayer and I thought yes you know those are just little arrows going out you know little prayer arrows going out so oh I love I, that that's yeah. a great thing I you know what another thing that really changed my relationships with people too is instead of telling people that I'm going to pray for them, Mm -hmm. I just stop right then and there and pray with them. I want to make sure that that gets done. Mm -hmm. And it has been incredibly life-changing for me, Mm -hmm. having the boldness to do that. So so first of all, I would say it was searching the scriptures and finding out how much important love is to God. And Mm -hmm. then secondly, praying boldly. Mm. Well, Kim, tell us uh, um, where we can find your fundraising campaign. I know you said it was Indiegogo, so I'm going to have that on there. But it's there is another one. Got, yeah. It's under the title of Help Svetlana. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are almost 20% of the way there, but we have a long way to go. Good, good. Again, we are raising for two years of her care at a private clinic. And okay. literally, we are trying to save this young girl's life. She is in the end stages, near mm-hmm. the end stages of tuberculosis. Mm. It's a disease that we don't hear about a lot no. anymore, especially here That's in right. America. Yes. But in um, Ukraine, it is epidemic. Mm. They estimate that almost 50% of the population has been infected. Now, they may not be active like mm. Svetlana is. Yes. And it doesn't help with um, other uh, immune uh, deficient types of diseases That's also right. being right. at epidemic proportions. And now you've but got a we, Facebook page as well? Yes, yes, Help Svetlana Facebook okay. page. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the same. And, and we'll have the links for both of those for you. Okay, okay. And, um, well, Kim, and if we've come to the end of our time, was there, was there, is there another place you want us to go? Um, Nourished Hearts is your blog. I've, I've got it's, that. It's our blog, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I work for Food for Orphans. Okay. And it's foodfororphans.org, okay. uh, where we give, we take a, I'm the manager of life-changing mission trips. And if you'd ever like to travel, if it's ever been on your heart to travel, (laughs) to uh, encourage orphans and their caregivers, I'd love to have you join us. You can find more information there. And Vivian, just thank you so much for your heart, for this matter, and for having me back on the show. Well, you're welcome. And I've been talking to Kim DeBlacor, who's on staff, as she just said, with Food for Orphans as their life-changing missions trips manager. And you can visit the organization at foodfororphans.org and find out how you can become involved. Kim writes the Nourished Heart blog to encourage others to love courageously, especially those who are adopting or have adopted and provide foster care and work in orphan care ministry internationally. She's also spearheading a... um, 
a crowdfunding campaign to raise two years of care for Svetlana, who has tuberculosis. She's in Ukraine at the moment and she needs two years of care um, there. So go over to indiegogo.com and look up health um, help help Svetlana and I'll have that so don't worry about trying to remember that and um, I know you've been inspired this afternoon as I have been by this lovely mum who has a heart for those parents who live under oppressive governments and that she'll join her each day in prayer for the orphans and for yourself and for her um, Kim thank you so much for joining me today and telling us what you know um, about the situation in, in Ukraine and for updating us on what's going on in your family. You have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thank you, and you as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, today is my father's birthday. As I said earlier on, I wished him a happy birthday. Had he been alive, he would be 89. Daffodils will always remind me of him and they are blooming in huge swathes at Hideaway, East Texas, where I'm spending some time with my mother-in-law and my blue-eyed cowboy, of course. Daddy died five years ago yesterday, which was the day before his 84th birthday. He was in hospital peacefully with my brother by his side. The image of God our Father is formed by our earthly father. Mine was an exacting man and I know I derailed his quest for perfection in the everyday of my life. In his final years, though, when his mind had been relieved of the burdens of responsibility, he fell into a life of dependency and his true self suited him. The man he was created to be shone and I clearly saw my heavenly father as depicted before me in my elderly dad. When I visited him from America, I'd walk into the sitting room of his nursing home at Westgate-on-Sea in Kent and watch his face light up on catching sight of me in the doorway. Ah, there you are, Vivian, he'd say, as if I'd just popped out for a moment. He'd go to stand and then he'd move over in his armchair and pat the empty space he'd made, inviting me to sit beside him. He bore no grudges against the length of time I'd left between visits. What mattered most to him was that I was there now. My father in heaven keeps no record of the length of time between visits either. I learned this from my father in the end. I know exactly how I'll be received in heaven when my time comes. Ah, there you are, Vivian. We'll be boomed across the throne room and a space will be made for me beside my heavenly father as if I was his only daughter. Just imagine that. And this week we've been in Dallas, staying at a friend's house while she <clears throat> basks in the Florida sun for spring break. We've seen all the children entertained and enjoyed their company and run around getting financial bases covered for the upcoming move of my mother-in-law to her youngest son's house. At the beginning of the week, we packed up lots of things from her house in East Texas that she didn't want to sell. This included several large pieces of furniture, glasses, china, keepsakes. We hired a U-Haul truck and drove to town and we had to repack our storage unit to be able to get our few boxes in. Luckily, we had help from Dorts and her boyfriend for that. When we had finally finished, my Texan and I looked at each other and agreed that moving three times in less than a year was one too many times. We spent the rest of the week recovering from dust, pollen and pet dander. Oh, yeah, and aching backs and arms from all the lifting. And I, for one, fell prey to a full-blown cold. I know you can hear it in my voice. I sound awful, but I feel all right, except at night when the tickly throat strikes just as I'm falling asleep. 
<clears throat> that's sort of a catch-22. I need the sleep because I tossed and turned the night before, and here I am again looking as though I'll be sneezing my way through the early hours instead of snoozing sandy. So I spend my days tired, and I'm so stubborn I won't take a nap. Maybe I will today, but nope, I have to take the PT cruiser to be repaired. It was hit by an 18-wheeler a couple of weeks ago. What a frightful experience that must have been. The truck carried on oblivious to the little car it had scraped badly all down one side, and my Perry Poppins daughter at the wheel, who was left all a quiver on the fast-moving highway. Luckily, she was not hurt. The weather's been lovely, and I've taken advantage of it to take a couple of walks through the neighbourhood. Keeping up a routine when away from my usual residence isn't easy, and working in yet another unfamiliar kitchen is always a challenge. <clears throat> As I said last week, all in all, my lifestyle of being able to read and write, practice yoga and walk is all due to my wonderful husband. Not only his good financial sense, but also his willingness to pick up a dust or a mop or mop a floor and more importantly, to cook a meal. And I pray that eventually each of my children will be able to enjoy their lives doing what they want to do. But they have to pay their dues first. I was once part of corporate America and worked 60 hours a week with four under six. Well, it looks as though it's time for me to wrap up my show. It's <clears throat> flown by once again. Actually, today seems to have flown by even more, maybe because I'm in a small closed-in room. I don't know. It's funny how an hour simply drags when we're preparing our taxes, isn't it? But anyway, I'm off to visit my Perry Poppins daughter for lunch, and later I'm going to go to Stations of the Cross. Tomorrow we're meeting our filmmaker son on the way out of town. Then it's back to normal in Nindale for a couple of weeks before we all move. I'll keep you informed on how that goes. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer Sabrina, thank you, my guest this week, Kim de Blakor, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doodloop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McKenna.